0: I thank him who has given me strength for this, Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful by appointing me to his service. Though I formerly blasphemed and persecuted and insulted him, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the foremost of sinners, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost Jesus Christ, might display his perfect patience for an example to those who were to believe in him for (coughs) eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, One of the questions we discussed at our Bible study uh, on a Wednesday evening about a week or so ago uh, was, was this question, how would you use this passage that we've read this morning to comfort people that feel that they have gone too far and that they are beyond redemption? Many people feel that way. Maybe you've felt this way in your life, sometimes. This time, it's over. This time, I've gone too far with God. This question is is basically the following. How can this passage help us to deal with our past? and the past of others. That's the basic question. How can we deal with our past? How do we deal with the past of other people? I think there are basically two ways of dealing with it. Some some people struggle to deal with their past. Because there are so many things. The one way is to deal, to to, to hold on to it. They felt that they've gone too far, that God can never forgive them for what they've done or ever love them again. And therefore, they carry the guilt of what they've done throughout their lives and they try to compensate for what they've done in many ways. Some people work very hard for the church, they raise money for charity, they're involved with all kinds of things in the community. Trying to compensate for what they've done wrong because of the guilt that they carry with them. They are chained to the past. There's of course, another side to it as well. Hold on to the past and don't let people forget their past. The faith community, those people would should understand. God's forgiveness sometimes makes it very difficult for people to move on with their lives. Whatever someone has done in the past is very often held against him or her until the very end of their lives. They never get the chance to recover of what they've done in the past and move on with their lives because people around them chain them to the past. Someone said, we cannot forget our sins, but God cannot remember it. Maybe we should reformulate this. We cannot forget our sin because other people always remind us of our sin. In short, you can hold on to the past, your own past, and the past of other people. You can blame people for what they've done and break their spirit so that they can never move on with their life. I'm sure we all have that experience in our lives where you meet someone and really like that person and then when the person leaves someone else will tell you do you know who that is? You know His father or mother or he. He did this or that. And redefine the whole person's personality. Who they are. In terms of their past. And in this way we break the spirit of people. To such an extent that many of them. Do not feel that they can go on. With life. There's another way of dealing with it, and this passage helps us to understand it. Remember the past. But when you remember it, you should respond in a specific way. Celebrate the grace of God. If you look at this passage it starts with a specific thing and it ends with a specific thing it starts with these words i thank christ jesus our lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy appointing me to his service he doesn't thank god he thanked jesus christ the one that he met on the road to Damascus. And then he ends this passage with doxology, with praise to God. Now, to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And why does he say that? Why does he thank God? And why does he break out in praise and thanksgiving? He explains it in in the verses. In between these two verses that I've just quoted. Listen to what Paul says. Because he explains the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you misunderstand this in your life. You will always be chained to the past. What is this heart? He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. There's a total misconception amongst many religious people, Presbyterians, Catholics charismatic people it doesn't matter that we should actually read this these words Christ Jesus came into the world to save righteous people good people church people no he came to save sinners These words, here is a trustworthy saying, is is an expression that he uses a few times in his letter to Timothy. And twice he uses it specifically to explain this undeserved grace of God to sinner people. In Titus chapter 3, he says, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. God saves The ungodly. The enemies. The sinners. That's what Paul repeats constantly in his letters. Trying to explain that we should understand the heart of the gospel. In Romans chapter 4 verse 5 he says that he justifies the ungodly. And in chapter 5 verse 6 to 10 he goes on and saying... While we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He reconciled the enemies of God to himself. And Jesus himself said basically the same. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The people of Jesus' time couldn't understand why he associated himself with those people who clearly rejected the will of God. And the the bad thing is that it was always the so-called righteous people of society who couldn't accept that that Jesus associated with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Those people had hard hearts. They were sometimes the most ungracious people on earth. They had hard hearts and would rather see that the sinners get what they deserve that they carry the consequences of their sins, than to see that the Son of God loves them. That is what we see so many times in righteous people, church people, the most judgmental of all. And sometimes the church is nothing else but a house of pain where people who try to find God and His grace are actually turned away from the grace of God. The church people are very much like the people in the time of Jesus. Many times we find the heart of Jonah in church people, people who are supposed to understand the grace of God. Don't want to go to Nineveh. No. And when God says Nineveh, he sits outside the city and he doesn't want to talk to God. He wants to see if God is going to change his mind and destroy the city because that's what they deserve. Billy Graham said, Life is not about what people think about you but what God knows about you. Someone shared a letter uh, that an old minister Thomas Goodwin wrote to his son and I want to read you this amazing letter. When I was threatening To become cold in my ministry. And when I felt Sunday morning coming. And my heart not filled with amazement at the grace of God. Or when I was making ready to give the Lord's Supper. Do you know what I used to do? I used to take a turn up and down among the sins of my past life. And I always came down again with a broken heart and a humbled spirit, ready to preach as it was preached in the beginning, the forgiveness of sins. I do not think I ever went up the pulpit stair that I did not stop for a moment and take a turn up and down the sins of my past years. I do not think that I ever planned a sermon, that I did not take a turn around my study table and look back at the sins of my youth and all my life down to the present. And many a Sunday morning when my soul had been cold and dry for the lack of prayer during the week, I turned up and down in my past life before I went into the pulpit, always broken in my heart. And that made me close, those things that made me close for the gospel. I first looked and remembered the grace of God before I began to preach. Abraham Maslow wrote, I can feel guilty about the past, apprehensive about the future, but only in the present can I act. Paul could be stuck in the past if he wanted to, but he's not stuck there. What he does in the present is to celebrate the grace of God. He can only be thankful. So if that's the case, that we can remember the past, but then because of the past, celebrate God's grace, it brings us back to the question, how can I use this passage to comfort people that feel that they've gone too far, that they are beyond redemption? There are two things we can do with this passage. The one is we can say to people that there is hope for everyone. doesn't matter who you are or what happened in the past. Let's hear what Paul says. But for this, that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul was the prime sinner, he says, sinner number one, chief sinner. He's a very interesting test case for God's grace. Because he was on the other side, you see. He actually believed that what he did was God's will. He believed that he was doing God's will, will by persecuting the people of God. He was blinded by his own theology. He was doing God. A favor by being hard and ruthless and violent towards those who accepted Christ and he says that God was gracious to him because he had no insight he didn't understand he was like the people at the foot of the cross insulting Jesus and crucifying him and Jesus knew that they didn't know what they were doing Although they did it deliberately. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They did it willfully, deliberately, but they were blinded by their own views and convictions. But how God works. And did the fire of God's wrath fall upon them? No. Instead, the wrath of God came down on his own son. And Jesus exchanged places with Barabbas, the killer, the terrorist. He exchanged places with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the sinners and those who are ignorant. Paul reminds us now That redemption and salvation are free to everyone. Someone writes, the brightest future is always built on a past that you have left behind. You cannot continue with your life until you have put your failures and sorrow of the past behind you. We can only do that because Christ exchanged places with the worst of sinners, Paul says. He also exchanged places with those who are heart in heart. Who think that they do God a favor by judging others. Who think that they're doing right. Right. Paul says if he could save me he can save anybody. If if I could receive eternal life anybody can. Paul says if God were patient to me he will be patient with everybody. We should give people hope not destroy their hope. Amy Carmichael writes, If I say yes, I forgive, but I cannot forget, as though God, who twice a day washes all the sands on all the shores of all the world, could not wash such memories from my mind, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I'm stuck in the past, I know nothing of Calvary love. If I cannot forget my own sin, I'm stuck in the past and I know nothing of Calvary love. I say to God, you could forgive me, but I will never forgive myself. So keep it to yourself. The second thing is that we can do with this passage is to say grace makes us allies of God. If we read in this passage, it's like God being a sculptor changing the life of Paul into something absolutely beautiful. Listen to what he says in verse 13 and 14. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. And this mercy, this grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The blasphemer became a man of faith. The persecutor, the violent man became a man of love in Christ Jesus. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, He says, who has given me strength, that He considered me trustworthy, appointing me to His service. Look at three words just in this this verse. He gave me the strength it reminds us of, of the words in Philippians chapter 4, I can do anything, everything to Christ who gives me strength. There was a teacher, who had big problems with her class, and they constantly said, like many of our children, I can't, I can't. And you know many people who just say, I can't. So she said, let's have a funeral. She so you right on a piece of paper, I cannot. And then they they buried all those papers. And from then on, when someone says, I can't, she, she replied, we buried it. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Because through Christ, he gives me the strength the strength to be in his service. He considered me trustworthy. He gave me the honor to stand beside him as an ally in his service. It's told that if a Spartan had a victory at, at the games he had the honor to stand next to the king of Sparta. In a battle and during an ancient Olympic Games a certain Spartan wrestler were offered a large bribe to lose the the wrestling match but he refused and he won it and then someone said what did you get from this now you won the match but what do you have in your pocket and he replied the honor to stand beside my king what a what, a, what a, an amazing thing that god does in our lives when we begin to understand his grace he doesn't only give us strength but he also considers us to be trustworthy doesn't matter what our past was and then the third word Appointing me to his service. There is no one in this church that cannot stand in the service of God. No one is worse than anybody else. We are all sinners. Saved by God's grace. You know that John Newton, the author of the, of the uh, song Amazing Grace, was the captain of a slave ship before he became converted. And he wrote the words for his own tombstone. And this is what's written there. John Newton, Clark, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had so long labored to destroy. Isn't that amazing? That God uses Ordinary sinner people. Saved by His grace. In His service. Paul says this is a trustworthy saying. It deserves full acceptance. He came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am the worst. And He has given me the strength. He has considered me trustworthy and appointed me to his service. If that's true in your life, if you understand the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ, has the time not come to celebrate it, to celebrate it more in your life? Celebrate it with the people of God. Sing from your heart when we are here together in the church. Sing from your heart when you're at home. Celebrate the grace of God in your life. And then celebrate the grace of God in the lives of other people do not chain them to the past don't only give them a second serve a second chance but over and over and over again as God does with you and never stand in their way to serve the Lord with passion and with love. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your example through Paul. He considered himself as the worst of sinners. But we know more, Lord. We know our own lives. We know that there were many more worse sinners, even ourselves. I thank you that you have shown your grace in our lives. Give us now the strength. To understand that you consider us trustworthy to be in your service. Give us the strength to understand that you have appointed us to be in your service and change our hearts from being chained to the past To those, to a heart that has freedom in Christ Jesus, our Lord. For we ask this in His wonderful name. Amen.